Today, I will share with you some of the most powerful and wise words from the great Stoic master, the late Roman emperor, Marcus Aurelius. I constantly speak to you of Stoicism, and I have recommended that you purchase Marcus Aurelius's meditations many, many times. Well, today, instead of telling you to go read it yourself, I have picked some of his finest passages so we can sit down and read them together. To give you a concise introduction of Stoic philosophy, I will quote the words of Dr. Michael Sugru. Quote, Stoicism is an appropriate philosophy, I would say, for serious, ruthless, introspective people that want real answers and are willing to take no nonsense, end quote. My name is Lewis and you are listening to Budo, The Martial Way. We've got a lot to discuss today and I guarantee you are going to love this. So without further delay, let's begin. If you would like to read along yourself, I will be referencing the sublime translation provided by Martin Hammond in the Penguin Classics publication of Meditations. There are many different translations available. Some of them are very bad, but fortunately, this is a masterpiece. That is the Penguin Classics publication translated by Martin Hammond. Some of the passages I will be reading, I believe, are quite self-explanatory, so I can share them with you with minimum explanation. Others may require a bit more detail. I know some people struggle with understanding exactly what is being spoken of, especially for my listeners who speak English as a second language. And to those of you who do speak English as a second or maybe even third or fourth language, well done. The online analytics tell me that 15% of my listeners are in Japan. There are also a lot of you in Germany and India. You have my respect and admiration. Most native English speakers fail to challenge themselves linguistically. And here we are discussing ancient Stoic philosophy. So, well done. Let's get started. Book 4, verse 3. Men seek retreats for themselves, in the country, by the sea, in the hills, and you yourself are particularly prone to this yearning, but all this is quite unphilosophic, when it is open to you at any time to retreat into yourself. No retreat offers someone more quiet and relaxation than that into his own mind especially if he can dip into thoughts there which put him at immediate and complete ease. And by ease I simply mean a well-ordered life. So constantly give yourself this retreat and renew yourself. The doctrines you will visit there should be few and fundamental, sufficient at one meeting to wash away all your pain and send you back free of resentment at what you must rejoin. End quote. The collection of passages gathered from the notes written by Marcus Aurelius has now, in our time, been titled Meditations. 
I don't like this title because it often confuses people into thinking it is related to the subject of practical meditation, which it's not. This collection could have been called Contemplations or Considerations or something along those lines. But here it does say, Men seek retreats for themselves, but it's quite unphilosophic when it is open to you at any time you want to retreat into yourself. Retreat into yourself. The ancient Greeks and Romans did not have the formal practice of meditation as we now think of it. They did not practice meditation in the way we think of Buddhist meditation, Taoist or Zen, formal seated meditation, but the philosophy and understanding of diving within yourself, consciously disconnecting yourself from external stimulus and connecting directly with the peace and serenity that already exists within you. The ancient Greeks and Romans did not practice formal meditation as we do today, but they would have understood it perfectly. I quote again, the doctrines you visit should be few and fundamental. I use a lot of mantras. If you've read my book, you'll know that I have my daily mantra, long and encompassing many qualities. I also have a shorter mantra to use in the face of anger and desire, which has really been revolutionary in transforming my mindset. This is the value of systems few and fundamental, already established and deeply programmed into your mind, ready to return to in the face of any situation. Next, book four, passage 17. No, you do not have thousands of years to live. Urgency is on you. While you live, while you can, become good. End quote. Very short and sweet. I love the immediacy of this passage. It is easy to think that we always have tomorrow. Many people fool themselves into thinking their lives will stretch off endlessly into the future. Then one day you wake up 50 years old, alone, out of shape, having achieved nothing. Urgency is on you. While you live, while you can, become good. Book 4, Passage 24. If you want to be happy, said Democritus, do little. May it not be better to do what is necessary, what the reason of a naturally social being demands and the way reason demands it done. This brings the happiness both of right action and of little action. Most of what we say and do is unnecessary. Remove the superfluity and you will have more time and less bother. So in every case, one should prompt himself. Is this or is it not something necessary? And the removal of the unnecessary should apply not only to actions, but to thoughts also. Then no redundant actions either will follow. End quote. If you want to be happy, do little. This is about focusing your efforts. He's not suggesting that we become lazy and you waste your time, but that the actions you undertake should be few and fundamental. Focus your attention and whatever you do, do it well. 
This reminds me of the Bhagavad Gita, which also encourages us to live simply, directly, but full of effort. This is a key theme within Stoicism. Our actions, our way of life should be minimalistic and Spartan, but without restraint. We should act fully, engage ourselves completely with our work, but in a very focused and direct way. Book 4, passage 31. Love the art which you have learnt and take comfort in it. Go through the remainder of your life in sincere commitment of all your being to the gods and never making yourself tyrant or slave to any man. I quote again, love the art which you have learnt. This does, of course, require you to first learn an art. Whether you are a martial artist, if you have military experience or within philosophy or religion, your pursuit of life is truly the highest form of art. When you have a noble and clear way of life, when you have practiced this and refined your actions, honed your mindset, you can take comfort in this and rely on it with confidence because it will prepare you for any and all eventualities. And at the end it says, never making yourself tyrant or slave to any man, a tyrant to no one, a slave to no one. Look around you. Cancel culture, the social and cultural division, authoritarian governments and their lackeys. So many people are trying to force their views on others or willingly surrender themselves as slaves to someone else's agenda. The stoic men and women stand apart in the world, but not of the world. Do not become a tyrant to anyone but also do not surrender yourself as a slave either. Stand apart as a sovereign individual. Passage 39. Harm to you cannot subsist in another's directing mind, nor indeed in any turn or change of circumstance. Where then? In that part of you which judges harm. So no such judgment and all is well. I have already quoted this in my book, The Martial Method. If you have read the book already, you will remember this from the five hindrances and how we respond to anger. But I want to cover it again because it is really so important. This is absolutely key, not only to Marcus Aurelius, but this is something that Epictetus, one of the other great Stoic masters, often discussed, that it is not the thing outside you that causes you pain, but rather your judgment of it. And again, this is absolutely in accordance with Buddhist teachings. It is our desire and rejection which cause us suffering. But fortunately, we are able to free ourselves from judgment at any point. We simply throw them out. When we do this, when we discard our judgment, our negative impressions, it is remarkable how this can immediately release us from so many causes of suffering and pain that really we were only holding on to within ourselves. Book 5, verse 1. At the break of day, 
When you are reluctant to get up, have this thought ready to mind. I am getting up for a man's work. Do I still then resent it if I am going out to do what I was born for, the purpose for which I was brought into the world? Or was I created to wrap myself in blankets and keep warm? But this is more pleasant. Were you then born for pleasure, all for feeling and not for action? Can you not see plants, birds, ants, spiders, bees, all doing their own work, each helping in their own way to order the world? And then you do not want to do the work of a human being. You do not hurry to the demands of your own nature. But one needs rest too. One does indeed, I agree. But nature has set limits on this too, just as it has to eating and drinking. And yet you go beyond these limits, beyond what you need. Not in your actions though, not any longer. Here you stay below your capacity. Here you stay below your capability. The point is that you do not love yourself. Otherwise, you would love both your own nature and her purpose for you. Other men love their own pursuit and absorb themselves in its performance to the exclusion of bath and food. But you have less regard for your own nature than the smith has for his metalwork, the dancer for his dancing, the money grubber for his money, the exhibitionist for his little moment of fame. Yet these people, when impassioned, give up food and sleep for the promotion of their pursuits. And you think social action less important, less worthy of effort? End quote. It reminds me of Jordan Peterson. Dr. Jordan Peterson has said a lot. Of course, he has covered many topics and continues to do so. But one of his most famous lines is simply, make your bed. I read again. At the break of day, when you are reluctant to get up, have this thought ready to mind. I am getting up for a man's work. Do I still then resent it if I am going out to do what I was born for, the purpose for which I was brought into the world? This passage is powerful. How we start the day sets the whole tone for everything we do. And this is where many people begin their journey of transformation, their journey of self-realization, from being a sad sack stuck in bed, unable to lift themselves from their stupor, to someone that gets out of bed with intention, with purpose, because they engage the day with a genuine and sincere desire to make something out of it. This is the very basis of discipline, at the foundation of everything you do, of everything you are. Again, I speak of this a lot in my book, The Marshall Method, the importance of discipline, how to cultivate it. Without at least some basic foundation of discipline, we are nothing. Book 5, Passage 16. Your mind will take on the character of your most frequent thoughts. Souls are dyed by thoughts. So you dye your own with a succession of thoughts like these. This is a small extract. This is just the first three lines of a longer passage. But I wanted to focus on this here at the start because it really is so important. In Buddhism, we are taught the Noble Eightfold Path the beginning of which is right understanding, right thought, 
right speech, right action, right livelihood. You must first have the correct understanding, the knowledge of the correct teachings, be it Buddhist, Stoic, Zen, Hindu, or of course, as an atheist pursuing Plato or Machiavelli, whichever philosophic or religious path you choose, first we must have the correct understanding of the way of the universe and your place within it. From there, we must have right thought. Right thought, because that will lead spontaneously to right speech, right action. Souls are dyed by thoughts. This is something that must be practiced relentlessly. This is not something that can be picked up and discarded whenever you feel like it. This is not something you can retreat into only when times get tough. The teachings that we are learning here, the values and principles that these great teachers share with us, they must be adhered to in every waking moment. We are not free to slack off in the comfort and privacy of our free time. Check yourself constantly. What is the content of your thoughts? Do not hold on to resentment. Do not stew in complaints. I know it's easy to do. Trust me, I know. I'm right here with you. We look at the world around us and there is a lot to be upset about. There are a lot of degenerate, evil people actively trying to drag us down at every turn. And behind them are the lazy and apathetic people who simply don't care enough to prevent themselves falling into darkness. We are constantly beset by reasons to complain. Every day we are provided with perfectly valid reasons to get angry at people and to reject and hate our fellow man. But it is here we must police our thoughts every day, every hour, every minute, every second. I talked about this before in episode 45 of the podcast. Ami for constantly redirect your thoughts toward what is important, toward virtue, honor, integrity. When you direct your thoughts thus, so too will your body follow. First in thought, then in word and in action. We will become men, women, individuals of nobility and merit. Book 5, Passage 19 Things of themselves cannot touch the soul at all. They have no entry to the soul and cannot turn or move it. The soul alone turns and moves itself, making all externals presented to it cohere with the judgments it thinks worthy of itself. Again, the same theme as 439. Harm to you cannot subsist in another's directing mind. I often use the phrase sovereign individual. Sovereign individual. It doesn't matter who you are, where you live, whether you're rich living in Beverly Hills or barely holding on to life under the brutal, oppressive heel of the North Korean communist regime. As a person, as an individual, you have sovereign autonomy within your mind, within your soul. Everything else is external to you. Your home, your possessions, your family, even your body, all are outside of yourself. 
You are the light within, pure consciousness itself, and that cannot be touched by anything in the world beyond. Only you can direct your thoughts. Only you can choose which judgments to approve and reject. Book 5, Passage 23 Reflect often on the speed with which all things in being or coming into being are carried past and swept away. Existence is like a river in ceaseless flow. Its actions a constant succession of change, its causes innumerable in their variety. Scarcely anything stands still, even what is most immediate. Reflect too on the yawning gulf of past and future time, in which all things vanish. So in all this it must be folly for anyone to be puffed with ambition, racked in struggle, or indignant at his lot, as if this was anything lasting or likely to trouble him for long. End quote. Memento mori, remember you must die. I dedicated an entire chapter to this in the Marshall Method. This is a key topic, not only to the great Stoic masters, but all wise and educated men throughout history have all had the same vast perspective of time. And the vaster your perspective of time, the more broadly you can perceive time, the more aware you will become of how short and limited your own existence is. Urgency is on you. Remember the words from book four. And now the last passage in book five, passage 37. There was a time when I met luck at every turn. But luck is the good fortune you determine for yourself, and good fortune consists in good inclinations of the soul, good impulses, good actions. I often quote this passage when people speak of luck. What is luck but a superstitious understanding of chance? Nothing is random in life. Everything is subject to cause and effect. We only think of luck or consider anything to be random when the factors influencing the outcome are so varied they are beyond our capacity to measure. As we are taught within Stoicism, anything that exists beyond our ability to control is irrelevant. Those things are simply not our concern. But what is within our control? Our judgments, our thoughts, our inclinations, our words and actions. These things are very much within our control. And as such, through this, we are able to create our own fortune. You must not wait for luck like some helpless victim. You must create your own luck. Create your own fortune. Book 6, Passage 21 if someone can prove me wrong and show me my mistake in any thought or action, I shall gladly change. I seek the truth, which never harmed anyone. The harm is to persist in one's own self-deception and ignorance. It sounds simple, doesn't it? To change your opinion once you have been proven wrong. But how many people can do that? 
Who can see beyond their own pride and ego and admit their own mistakes? Certainly, politicians are absolutely incapable of doing this. And I don't entirely blame them for this, as culturally, if you want to curry favour with the populace, any politician who is seen to change their mind on any issue too easily is immediately seen as weak, flip-flopping on issues. So we have created this culture in which you must absolutely double down, triple down on any stance you take, no matter how the situation may change or whatever new evidence may come to light. However, Marcus Aurelius, much in the manner of Socrates and Plato, these wise men value truth above all else. And as he says, the truth never harmed anyone. This certainly requires a significant softening of the ego. But if we remind ourselves that our goal is the truth in any situation, there should be no barrier to changing our mind or allowing ourselves to be proven wrong. Immediately after that, book six, passage 22. I do my own duty. The other things do not distract me. They are either inanimate or irrational or have lost the road and are ignorant of the true way. Clear and concise. The first half of this passage is the 23rd line in my own daily mantra. As Epictetus constantly reminds us to disregard that which is beyond our control, to focus our attention fully on our own duty. These short, pithy statements cut right to the core of things and are very useful as they are easy to remember and easy to recall quickly. As Marcus said before, when you take retreat, the doctrines you visit there should be few and fundamental. Book 6, passage 58. No one will prevent you living in accordance with the principle of your own nature. Nothing will happen to you contrary to the principle of universal nature. Let me read that first line to you again. No one will prevent you living in accordance with the principle of your own nature. This may be difficult for some people to imagine, as so many people are easily coerced into action. They cry on about how they were forced, how it wasn't their choice. But as a rational, sovereign individual, as an independent adult, no one can force you into anything. All the great Stoic masters teach us we can be bribed, we can be imprisoned, tortured, even executed, but a man or woman who has complete control over their judgment can exercise their freedom of choice in any situation, even at the expense of pain and suffering, even at the cost of their very life. And we recognize that, don't we? In movies, we celebrate the hero who doesn't crack under torture. We venerate the hero who refuses to give in to evil, even with a sword to his neck or a rifle to his head. What is the limit of your courage? At what point do you choose to surrender your own integrity? And then we have the second line. Nothing will happen to you contrary to the principle of universal nature. 
This again is key to the Stoic teachings. This understanding that whatever happens is in accordance with universal nature, which can be hard to believe. When our company fails, our house burns down, we contract some horrid disease, we remain stoic. All this is in accordance with nature. We not only accept everything that happens to us, but rather we welcome it, if it is truly beyond our control. All these things that happen to us, we only consider them terrible because we apply that judgment upon it but rather we should discard any such negative judgment and exercise our ability to choose. Choose to face any circumstance with dignity and composure. That is within our control. Here I will stop for today. I actually have much more I want to share with you, in preparation for this episode, I bookmarked so many passages. I've had to skip a lot, otherwise I'd end up just reading half the book. So this is just part one. The next episode of the podcast will feature Takazo, Sword of Clarity, a good friend of mine I met very early after joining Twitter. We always have a powerful conversation when we get on a call or host a Twitter space. I have already recorded an interview with him and it's a banger. I'm very happy with the conversation and I'm excited to share it with you next time. This is episode 52. Episode 53 is the interview with Takazo, and in episode 54, we will continue reading through these passages. I love it. I love Stoicism. Marcus Aurelius is, was a remarkable man, and we have a lot to learn from his experience and wisdom. If you would like to follow along with the reading or review the passages yourself, as I said at the start, this is the Martin Hammond translation published in the Penguin Classics edition of Meditations. I have also mentioned my own book, The Marshall Method, on the topic of building discipline, practicing meditation, memento mori, developing systems. The Marshall Method is available on Amazon and Gumroad. You can get it in paperback on Amazon, or if you purchase the digital copy from Gumroad, you will also get the audiobook and can have it beamed straight into your ears directly from your phone. Enter the code become the way, all lowercase, all one word, to get 20% off your Gumroad purchase. Links to everything can be found on budo.card.co. That's B-U-D-O.C-A-R-R-D.co. Or on Twitter at WayBudo. Thank you, as always, for your time and effort. I hope you have found this discussion today interesting. It certainly is beneficial. There's no question about that. It just depends on you to apply it, to take these lessons seriously, to review them in your mind often and find ways in which you can practically apply it to your life. I hope you have a great week. I look forward to continuing our study and speaking with you again, for those on the way become the way.